All right, so this is going to be my WWE SummerSlam 2023 review. Um, I still need to do a review of WrestleMania, which I will get to at some point. Um, as for the other pay-per-views in between, um, I'll probably briefly touch on them, not as much detail, because if I go into super depth, then I don't think people want to hear me talk for three hours. I will also be doing a um, Oregon Duck football season preview and predictions in a couple days, as well as I'll touch on the stuff with the big Oregon going to the Big Ten and all that stuff. I was going to do that here, but I figured this one I'll keep strictly to WWE, and I'll do the football stuff in a couple days. If you hear a loud sound in the background, I'm sorry. I have a fan on. It's really hot. Um... And so, yeah, also back to the football thing real quick. I I will do, so I'll be doing like, a, I'm going to do a preview and prediction for the season as well. And maybe after each game, I'll get on there and kind of just give my thoughts on the game and all that stuff. Anyway, so back, this is about WWE and SummerSlam. Um, I thought SummerSlam was actually a pretty good show. Not the best SummerSlam, not the worst SummerSlam. But I will say, like, WWE's had some really good pay-per-views this year. You can say what you want about, you know, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and all that stuff. And not all, not every episode of Raw and SmackDown is good, but you can say that about any TV show in general. But uh, the pay-per-views have been really good. I like the Royal Rumble. I like the Elimination Chamber. I thought WrestleMania was really good. Uh, what was after WrestleMania? Backlash, I think. I like that show. I think they had Clash of Champions. That was a fun show. And then they've had Money in the Bank as well. There might be another one I'm missing. And then SummerSlam. So, um, like I said, it was a fun show. Let's get into the review. The um, the show took place from Ford Field, where the Detroit Lions play in Detroit, Michigan. The attendance was, let's see, is it on here? 59,194. Since people always like to dispute the attendance and oh, yo, that's how much, you know, paid or whatever and whatever. I don't know how. Anyway, um, the first match was Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Man, I like this match. Uh, there's a lot of people who hate Logan Paul, and I understand he's kind of a douche, like outside the you know. But man, this dude's a great wrestler. He said probably like maybe. Has he had 10 matches? And I don't want to sit here and name them all, but pretty close. But he's had, and he hasn't even had a bad match yet. They've all been tremendous. This match was really good, though. They did some, just, they brawled a little bit to start the match. Um, they, they start fighting and go on the floor. And uh, Ricochet goes to do a dive, and then they, like, both stop and just, like, stare at each other which was kind of interesting um you know so this feud basically started after money in the bank i should have talked about that first um basically where logan paul accused ricochet being reckless because he took a suplex and like his head landed at like the edge of a table and it looked he like started bleeding and he like accused him of being unprofessional and reckless and stuff um so yeah like i said they both um, they get back in the ring, and uh, Logan Paul hits him with some elbows, and then he does a um, 
and does a ground and pound. And then he does the Rude Awakening Neckbreaker on the apron, which was a pretty cool move. Rick Rude used to do that a long time ago, back in the day. Um, and then uh, Logan Paul hit a running power slam and mocked Braun Strowman. He even did the brawl that he does, like when he does the running suplex. So I thought that was kind of cool, because Braun Strowman was Ricochet's tag team partner before he got injured. Um, he does like this weird leg drop thing that was like a tribute to Hulk Hogan and he like did the Hulk Hogan like pose where he does like the Hulk up and flexes and all that stuff. And then Ricochet eventually does the people's moonsault, which is like a variation of the people's elbow, but that the rock used to do, but instead of doing the people's elbow, he does a moonsault. So, but he calls it the people's moonsault. Um... Ricochet did a Spanish fly off the apron. And then they both get up. And eventually they do a double Spanish fly, which was pretty cool. Ricochet did a, uh, or no, Logan Paul hit a flying STO on the, from the floor, or from the ring to the floor. And then he hit a flying crossbody and a moonsault and did a two count, which was another cool spot. Ricochet, I think, did like a neck breaker. I'm trying to remember this word. I didn't take notes on this show. Um, and then he did a running 450 splash ricochet did and then got a two count um, and then eventually ricochet hit a shooting star press and Logan Paul blocks it by putting his knees up he does the shooting star off the top rope um, Logan Paul hit a frog splash and got a two count and then he hit a kick on Ricochet and Logan Paul kicked out, and then he went for the 6.30, and then, uh, oh, no, he, yeah, he hit the 6.30, and I believe Logan Paul kicked out, and then there came a spot where, they, like, the ref was checking on, um, Ricochet, and, uh, a guy came and slipped Logan Paul, like, one of his, in his entourage or whatever the hell, gave him some brass knuckles, and he hits Ricochet in the face with the brass knuckles and wins. So yeah, oh uh, yeah. That, overall, that was a good match. Um, pretty good opener to start the show. The next match was Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes, which it's funny. Brock's like probably apparently they've had Logan Paul's match open the show, so Logan Paul could go to his brother Jake Paul's uh, boxing fight later in the night. So he immediately left. Um, but anyway. Or I'm assuming, and Brock Lesnar probably did the same thing because his match went on second. He probably just went home after this, which is funny. Um, I'm just gonna say this: they've had three matches. They never really explained why they're feuding, which was bizarre. Um, it's just like the night after WrestleMania, they were gonna have a tag team match: Roman Reigns and uh, Solo Sokoa. We're going to team up, take on Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. And then before the match started, Brock Lesnar attacked Cody Rhodes and beat him down really bad. And then they never really explained why they fought. They had a match at Backlash. And then I believe a match at, what, Clash of Champions. Uh, or Night of Champions, I'm sorry. Um, they were both fine. But I did enjoy this. I thought this was excellent. Um, you know, Brock Lesnar came out. Got a good reaction from the crowd. And then Cody Rhodes came out. I will say this right now. Cody Rhodes, 
is such a bigger star in WWE than he ever was in AEW, and that's probably going to piss off AEW fans. I don't really care. Like, he's so over. And it's weird. It's like, obviously, I don't want to really spoil. I mean, most people have probably seen WrestleMania by now, but even with him not winning the championship at WrestleMania, which I still think was a stupid decision, um, he's still over. Like, he comes out, he looks like a star, he's presented like a star, the crowd sings his theme song. So, like, he's definitely a bigger deal in WWE than he ever was in AEW, and I think he made the right decision signing or coming back to WWE. So, I just wanted to say that real quick. Uh, they show Cody Rhodes' mother in the crowd. There's a few weeks ago on Raw, they did, like, an angle where they were in Cody Rhodes' hometown, and Brock Lesnar beat him up in front of his mother. They've done stuff like that before. I made a joke, remember, like, bro, I was saying, well, Brock Lesnar should have F5 Cody Rhodes' mother, or mother, which would have been pretty funny, but obviously they weren't going to do that. Um, so the they do their entrances, and then Cody Rhodes, like the, the heel that he is, attacks Brock Lesnar from behind as right before the match starts and the bell rings. I'm kidding. If I fought Brock Lesnar, I'd probably attack him from behind, too. And I'd use weapons. <laughs> but um, then immediately Brock Lesnar catches him for a German suplex. Cody Rhodes then hits a couple disaster kicks. And he goes for a third one, and Brock just pushes him down, which was pretty funny. And he hits some shoulders into the corner, and then Lesnar goes to run at him while he's standing in the corner, and he moves and Brock hits his shoulder into the ring post. Um, and then Cody Rhodes hits a dive through the middle rope onto Brock Lesnar, and they both fall down, and it sends him into the announce table. Um, and then Brock Lesnar eventually gets control, and he throws, he rams Cody Rhodes' back into the ring post. Um, let's see, I'm trying to go off memory. Oh, he starts just hitting him with a bunch of suplexes. He hits a belly-to-belly, -belly, hits a German suplex, um, kicks him in the ribs a couple times. Um, Brock then does another suplex. And he hits a... And then he does a German suplex, and Cody goes outside to the floor. They do a count. You know, the ref starts counting. I think Cody Rhodes gets in at, like, five. And then he eventually... Um, hits another German suplex and he tosses him to the floor and the referee counts and then as Brock Lesnar um, or Cody Rhodes gets back up Brock Lesnar's yelling at him to save himself like basically telling him to stay on the floor and get counted out Cody then makes it at 11 or not at 11 at 7 if it was 11 he'd be counted out <laughs> anyway at 7 uh, Brock tells him to um, that it's only going to get worse from here if he keeps getting back up. So I like the story they were telling where, you know, he just continued to beat on Cody and he wouldn't give up. I mean, a good story there, I guess you could say. But, uh, and then eventually he does it, like he throws him out of the ring a couple more times and keeps beating him down. And then he hits an F5 on the floor and he, Cody gets in at like eight, I believe like an eight count. And then he gets out again into the ring and he hits an F5 through the announce table. And then, once again, Brock, Cody ends up getting into the ring. Um, and then he hits another... He, I think he hit a snap suplex. Brock hit a snap suplex. 
and that might have been before he put him through the table. Either way, he had a snap suplex, and then he f five him through the table. Um, Brock Lesnar just continues to beat him down as they eventually get back in the ring, and then Cody Rhodes tries to fight back, um, and then Brock hits a belly-to-belly suplex. But as he's holding on, as he's going for the belly-to-belly suplex, Cody Rhodes has a hold of the top rope, and he flings the turnbuckle pad off, which we'll get to. That comes into play later. Eventually, Cody Rhodes is able to fight back, and he sends Brock Lesnar into the ring post. And then, for some reason, he hits Brock with the steel steps right in front of the ref, which should be a DQ, right? Should be a disqualification. Brock Lesnar should have won. They didn't even ring the bell. Didn't really understand that. I mean, he literally hits him with the ring steps right in front of the referee, and they don't disqualify him. Um, and then um, they get into the ring. Brock Le- or Cody Rhodes hits a disaster kick. And then he hits a Cody cutter. Um, and then Lesnar like struggles to get up to his feet, and then he hits another Cody cutter. There's something I want to talk about with Brock Lesnar at the end that I'll get to after this match. And then Cody goes for a pin and kicks out. Um, Cody Rhodes goes to do the crossroads, and then Brock reverses it and puts him into the Kimura lock. Eventually, Cody Rhodes fights out of it. He gets the bottom rope, and then Cody Ro- Brock goes for the F5. Cody blocks it. And he actually sends Lesnar's chest first into the ring, into this steel ring post, because after he took the turnbuckle pad off when he grabbed a hold of the ring post or the ring ropes. And then Cody Rhodes does his own Kimura lock. And then eventually Lesnar fights out of it and the hold's broken. Um, and then eventually uh, Cody blocks another F5. He hits two crossroads in a row. And then he hits a third one and pins him for the three count. You know what was crazy at one point in this match? Brock Lesnar's shorts ripped like really bad. And it was, you won't, it, <laughs> yeah, it was like right in the crotch. It's good. You couldn't see anything, which obviously that's good. You don't, I don't think anyone wants to see that. But um, it was like, that would have been bad if that would have been the case. But um, yeah, his shorts were like ripped really bad at one point. But anyway, what, what I was going to say about Brock Lesnar, and then I'll talk about the post-match stuff. Actually, I'll do that first. So, yeah, Cody Rhodes wins. And then after the match, um, Cody Rhodes kind of stands tall in the ring celebrating Brock Lesnar's selling. And uh, he eventually gets up. He takes his gloves off like he's going to beat Cody down again. And he um, shakes his hand and then um, raises Cody Rhodes' hands and leaves him into the ring. So, um but yeah, I want to talk about like Brock Lesnar's selling is just fantastic. Um, he's always been a really good seller, even in his first. I've talked about this before, but even like in his first run in WWE, when to, in two thousand two, he was a really good seller. And I think a lot of people think like, oh, Brock Lesnar doesn't care about wrestling or WWE or any of that because he's a part timer and he doesn't show up a lot and all that. But I will say when he's invested in like a feud that he's doing and he likes the person he's working with he's tremendous like he made Cody Rhodes look so good in this match and obviously I know it's like wrestling's not real I get that but you're still supposed to be able to suspend your disbelief and it I mean obviously the moves they do hurt it's 
to say it's fake isn't really the right word. It'd be, I think scripted's a better way to put it. Anyway, the point is, is like, there's an art to it is another thing. But Brock is so good at, like, selling. Like, And I think another thing that helps a lot with that is the fact that he did UFC for a lot of years. So he knows what really, like, what actually hurts really bad, if that makes sense. Hopefully I worded that right. But, uh. I just don't think he gets a lot of credit for, like, his greatness. And when he wants to, he can put on some fantastic matches. He said this was a great match. He's had a lot of good ones in the past. Um, and, yeah, like, his selling's tremendous. Um, I can't say enough. Um, we probably won't see Brock again probably for the rest of the year, I'd assume. So he'll probably come back for the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania next year. Um, I mean, he's been pretty active this year. He's wrestled on almost every pay-per-view. So, but yeah, that was a great match, and we'll see what they do with Cody Rhodes from here. Obviously, I think at some point they got to get back to the Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes thing, and put the title on him. Though I don't know why they didn't do that at WrestleMania. But anyway, uh, what was next? We'll move on. So the next match was a 25-man battle royal. They called it a 25-man Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royal. Let's see who was in this. Um, is there actually 25 people in this? Let's see. So there was um, Austin, the United States champion, Austin Theory, AJ Styles, LA Knight, Sheamus, Butch, um, Ridge Holland, Matt Riddle, Chad Gable, Otis, Santos Escobar, Shinsuke Nakamura, The Miz, Grayson Waller, Karrion Cross, Tommaso Ciampa, Cameron Grimes, Ivar, Eric, Ludwig Kaiser, Giovanni Vinci, JD Madonna, Apollo Crews, Rick Boogs, and Omos. Um, obviously, LA Knight got a huge reaction when he came out. I believe him and AJ Styles were the only two that got actual entrances. Um... Battle Royals are hard to review because there's a lot of stuff going on, but um, LA Knight won, which was the, probably the right decision. Um, they eventually all... I know there was a spot where they all... They did the, this in a lot of Battle Royals when there's people that are huge. They all ganged up on Omos at one point and threw him out of the ring. Like, everyone will hit their finishers and stuff, and then they all threw him out of the ring. Uh, I believe it got down to LA Knight... AJ Styles and Sheamus. Um, Karrion Cross um, grabbed AJ's leg, I believe, and then uh, Sheamus threw him out, and then LA Knight threw out Sheamus. So LA Knight wins. It was fine. It's a battle royal. Battle royals are hit or miss a lot because it's not like a, it's a lot different than a Royal Rumble. Royal Rumbles are usually a little bit more entertaining, in my opinion. But yeah, LA Knight won. So maybe from here. I know maybe they'll put him in a feud with, like, the U.S. title for Austin, Austin Theory or something. Because he's very... L.A. Knight's great. He's he's pretty over with the crowd, so... Oh, man. Uh, next was a MMA rules match with Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. This was terrible. Oh, my God. Um, I, I don't like when they try to put, like, MMA elements into wrestling or boxing... Because it always just makes it look worse. They don't, they basically, it's kind of like they're disrespecting MMA and boxing when they try it because it always looks hokey and phony. 
Which is weird because these two used to be both at UFC, so you'd think they could have just... They should have just made it a real UFC fight, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I don't like when they... They've done this in the past. I remember talking about... There was like a WrestleMania, I think it was like WrestleMania 2, where they did Roddy Piper versus uh, Mr. T in a boxing match. And it just... It was awful. Like, they were both... Uh, Mr. T was throwing a lot of like phantom punches, and Roddy Piper had to like oversell them to make it look kind of real. But anyway, like... I'll be honest, this was terrible. Ronda Rousey's been awful since she returned to WWE last year. And I heard she's done after this and she's taking a break, which is good. Um, so, and eventually Shayna Baszler won with a, she got her into a, into a Karafuda clutch and she tapped out. So, I know she passed out. So they didn't even have her, um, Ronda Rousey tap out. But it sounds like Ronda's going to take a break, which is probably good because it's, She's been underwhelming. It was also kind of weird because in this feud, you don't really know who the baby face and who the heel was. They were both kind of heels. So it was a little weird. Um, what was, let's see, what was next? Oh, the Intercontinental Championship match was next. So Drew Gunther defending the WWE Intercontinental title against Drew McIntyre. Gunther's like a month away from breaking the record of the longest reigning Intercontinental title, which WWE's on a kick with, you know, having... Um, a bunch of records be broken and stuff because they're, I don't know. But uh, I like this match. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, the WrestleMania match where Drew McIntyre was in there with Sheamus and Gunther was tr- fantastic. This was still good. Um, it starts out where uh, they start out with a lockup and then. I believe Drew McIntyre hit like a, a suplex of some sort. I want to say it was a back suplex or a side suplex. And then um, Gunther rolls out of the ring to the floor and Drew throws him into the barrier and into the apron. Um, Drew McIntyre hit a Glasgow kiss headbutt at one point. And then... Um, Gunther eventually uh, does a body slam onto Drew McIntyre on the steel ring on the top of the ring steps. God, that always looks like it hurts when you get get thrown on there. I remember at the Royal Rumble, I talked about this in the review, but Kevin Owens got Roman Reigns like through Kevin Owens onto the ring steps, and the first one he put his hands behind his head to like block the fall, and then the second one he just didn't put his hands under his head to like brace the fall or whatever. And you could just hear the thud on the back of his head. I was just like, oh. That like sounded like that hurt really bad. Anyway. Um, so yeah, he throws him into the... Does a body slam into the ring steps. And then... Um, Gunther at one point does a German suplex. And the Drew kind of like... Does a lariat clothesline. He kind of no-sold that, which... Eh. They trade some strikes, and then Drew does a belly-to-belly suplex onto Gunther. And then Drew hit another belly-to-belly. And then he goes for the Future Shock DDT, and Gunther blocks it. And um, does a... um, Oh, no. Yeah, he does the DDT, but then Drew did some... I forget what he did, but then he did like a kip-up like Shawn Michaels used to do. After he hit the ground, then he calls for the claymore. He does the three, two, one into the corner. 
Um, but Gunther gets up, or he drops down, actually. So he goes to do the Claymore, and Gunther drops to the mat. And then he... Um, or no, he didn't drop to the mat. He went... He drop-kicked him. That's what he did. So he did, like, the a drop-kick, which was impressive for someone that big. And then he hit him with a power bomb, and Drew McIntyre kicked out a two. And then... Um, Gunther goes to the top rope and actually hit a flying. It looked like a. It wasn't like a frog splash. It was more just like a belly flop, I guess you could say, which was a two count. And then Gunther starts to get mad. Um, he starts slapping Drew, and then they trade some chops. God, Gunther's chops are just—they look so good. Like obviously, there's an art to doing chops and all that stuff, but like they just look so good. Um, so yeah, they do. They do a bunch. They start trading chops. Uh, then Drew hit a Claymore kick at one point, and Drew Ma and Gunther kicked out. Not a lot of people have kicked out of the Claymore kick, so that's a big deal. Fans start chanting, this is awesome at one point. I don't remember if that happened before or after that. Um, Drew McIntyre, I think, hit a gut wrench suplex onto Gunther. And then uh, he hit a couple more chops, I think. And then um, Gunther goes to... Uh, or the, he's on. I think Drew's on like the the ropes at some point. And he, no, he knocks him to the top rope. That's what it is. And then he he like lands his hits his nuts on the top rope. And Gunther then immediately hits a flying splash. And then he follows up with the lariat and the power bomb to pin him, which I thought was cool because he did that earlier in the match. But instead, um, he didn't do the other. He didn't do the lariat and the power bomb. He just did the splash and pinned him. So I thought that was kind of a cool finish where he did the splash again, but this time he did the a lariat and a power bomb, like immediately afterwards because he realized if I do the splash again, he'll probably kick out. So at this point, yeah, I think the next pay-per-view is in like a month. So Gunther, I think he's like 31 days or 34 days or something for being the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. So I'm assuming he'll break that record. But this was a pretty fun match. And, yeah, we'll see where they go from there. I don't know what you do with Druid at this point or even Gunther, to be honest. They're kind of running out of stuff for Gunther to do because he's been Intercontinental Champ in for so long. It is cool, though, because it's a lot of times with the mid-card titles, like the Intercontinental title and the U.S. title, they don't really make them mean anything. And I think Gunther's doing a good job of kind of bringing prestige back to those that title. So Another thing I like about Gunther is Obviously, he's a heel, and a lot of times WWE does this a lot in the past. And other wrestling companies, too, but they have the heels just, like, constantly cheat to win, and they never win straight up, which I understand. You're a villain, a bad guy, whatever. You're supposed to take shortcuts and stuff. But at times, it's refreshing when they have the villain win a match straight up without help. You know, Gunther has, like, Imperium with him, his group or whatever but neither of them were out there and neither of them got involved and he just won straight up so I think that's refreshing when they do that with heels at times and have them win matches straight up so next was the uh, world heavy the WWE world heavyweight title match Seth Rollins defending against Finn Balor the story going into this match for those of you that don't know in 2016 Finn Balor and Seth Rollins actually had a match at SummerSlam in 2016, so seven years ago. Crazy to think that was seven years ago. But anyway, it was for the. It was when they first introduced the WWE Universal Championship. 
and they were they had a tournament leading up and all that to you know to crown a champion and they were in the finals and they had the match at SummerSlam to crown the first um, universal champion anyway point is Finn Balor ended up getting hurt in that match Seth Rollins did the buckle bomb that he does it's like a power bomb where he throws them into the turnbuckles like into on their shoulders only this time he did it outside the ring and he power bombed Finn Balor onto the apron or not the apron the ring Jesus, the barricade. Um, and it, Finn Balor ended up hurting his shoulder. I want to say he tore his rotator. I could be wrong, but he was out for like six months to a year. Anyway, he Finn Balor actually won. So it was a legit injury. Finn Balor actually won the Universal title. And then immediately the next night on Raw had to vacate it. So that's basically the story going into this is that Finn Balor finally wants revenge for that injury. They had a match, what was that, the last pay-per-view, I believe, Money in the... Was the last pay-per-view Money in the Bank? I think so. Anyway, yes. Um, I th- I thought this was probably a little bit better. It was a little overbooked with Judgment Day and all that stuff, but it was fine. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of some stuff that happened. Finn, Seth Rollins went for a pedigree at one point, and Finn Balor blocked it, and then he... Uh, Finn goes to do a move. I forget exactly what it is. And then um, Seth Rollins reverses it into a falcon arrow. And Seth Rollins, and then Finn Balor at one point rolls out to the floor. And Seth Rollins hits three straight suicide dives. And on the third, and he knocks um, Finn Balor into the announce table with each dive. So he did literally, like, he does this in a lot of those matches. He'll do three of them in a row, three suicide dives, which is kind of overkill, but. Um, fans were singing Seth Rollins' theme song, which they always do, which is kind of funny. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, I did like there was a spot in this match. It happened a little bit toward the end, but Finn Balor actually does. So I was talking about earlier how Finn Balor got injured when Seth Rollins did the power bomb into the barricade. They actually recreated that spot, only this time Finn Balor did the, um, powerbomb onto Seth Rollins into the barricade. So I thought that was a cool spot where they kind of recreated it, but they like reversed the roles where they had Finn Balor do it instead. Uh, He he does a sling blade, I know, at one point, and then does the drop, the shotgun drop kick and does a two count, or gets a two count, I know that. And then Seth at one point does the buck, he does do two, I think he does two buckle bombs. I want to say they were both in a row, but I don't 100% remember. And then it, Seth does a frog splash, and Finn Balor kicks out. And then uh, he does a pedigree, and Finn Balor kicks out of that. At some point, Damian Priest comes down to the ring with the Money in the Bank briefcase. So they kind of teased like maybe he was going to cash in and make it a triple threat, but he didn't do that. Um, eventually... Uh, Obviously, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley come out as well. They try to get involved. And Seth Rollins eventually super kicks Dominic outside. And then when he comes back into the ring, Finn Balor hits the sling blade and then does the shotgun drop kick again. And then he does the uh, coup de grace, which I actually thought was going to be the end of the match. I th- actually kind of thought Finn Balor was going to win this, but they didn't do that. Um, he kicked out at two. 
And then there, there's a point where uh, Finn Balor is trying to, like, they do a finish. Like, they're, they've been teasing tension, like, between Finn Balor and Damian Priest since Damian Priest won Money in the Bank. And uh, anyway, the finish comes where Damian Priest slides the briefcase in like he's going to give it to Finn Balor, which he was, to you know, so he could use it as a weapon. He walks over to distract the referee as, as, as Finn Balor is... Um, Grabbing the briefcase, Seth Rollins comes out over and curb stomps him onto the briefcase and then slides the briefcase out of the ring and pins him and retains the title. We didn't get a cash in, so like I said, it was a fine match. I think they've had better matches in the past. It was still good. It's not anything like that you should skip or anything if you watch the show. It's a pretty good match. Let's see what we got. We're almost done. Uh, the third match was a triple threat match for the WWE Women's title. Asuka defending the championship against Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. Oh, man. I've ranted on Charlotte a million times, so I'm not going to keep doing it. But there's a lot of botches in this match. Uh, Charlotte's terrible. She, like, botches that moonsault she does every time. I talked about that in every Charlotte match. I didn't think this match was that good, and I thought it went a little too long. There was also, like, at one point... I know there was a spot where Rick, Rick Flair, Jesus, Charlotte Flair launched Bianca Belair to the floor, and she hit her knee on one of the steel steps, and they played it off at first like it was a real injury. I guess it's possible that it was, but I don't think that it was because they did this whole angle where she hurt her knee or whatever, and you see, like, the trainers coming out, and Asuka and Charlotte are fighting at one point, you know, and just keeping the match going and whatnot. Um... And they carry her out of the ring. And then, like, she starts selling the wrong leg, which I thought was, like, that's what I'm like, all right, this is funny. But I just, I, that happens so much in wrestling, and I don't understand. Like, they'll be selling a body part, and then, like, say you, like, they sell their knee, and then, like, a minute later, they forgot what knee they're supposed to be selling, and they sell the other knee. And that's what she did here. Um, when she climbed up to the, Charlotte had got eventually got Asuka into the figure eight, I think she calls it. And Bianca Belair, while she had the figure eight on Asuka, ran up to the top rope and hit a 450 splash onto Charlotte. And actually went to pin her. And she kicked out. And then uh, Charlotte got Bianca into the figure four. But while she had Bianca Belair in the figure four, Asuka sprayed her mist that she has in her mouth right in Charlotte's face, which I thought was great because I thought Charlotte was going to win this match. And uh, Asuka goes to do a move to um, Bianca Belair, um, and she rolls her up and wins the title. So Bianca Belair wins the women's championship from Asuka. So Asuka gets kind of a short reign. And then after the match... Bianca celebrating for a little bit. And then EO Sky's music hits and she comes out. Uh, Bailey, who has the Money in the Bank briefcase for some weird reason, even though it's EO Sky's, she hits Asuka with the briefcase and Charlotte. And then uh, Bianca Belair tries to fight Bailey. And then as she's fighting Bailey, EO Sky grabs the briefcase and hits Charlotte. Or Charlotte, Jesus. It's getting, I need, I'm getting, it's getting late. Um, she hits Bianca Belair with the briefcase and the knee that she injured. And then she cashes in money in the bank. 
and then she does the moonsault off the top rope and wins the title. So it was a cool moment to see her win the title. It would have been funny if Bianca Belair kicked out and then ended up beating her, which they would have had to turn her. They need to turn Bianca Belair heel or something. Because she's starting to get very stale and the crowd's starting to turn on her, unfortunately. But yeah, and then uh, after the match, Dakota Kai, who's been injured for a while, I believe she tore her ACL, which I've done twice, so I know how that feels. That sucks. But she came in to celebrate with them. And then we get to the main event. So it's the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defending the title against Jey Uso. Um, not one of Roman's better title matches. I'm kind of just, at this point, not in, getting not invested in Roman Reigns matches as much as I used to because it's, like, he's been champion for so long that I just have no confidence. Like, I just, it's, it's hard for me to just believe anyone's going to beat him so I don't get into his matches. Because obviously, yeah, it's not real. I understand that. But what I'm saying is a lot of times in storylines and wrestling, the, the results are unpredictable where you're like, oh, well, this guy could win or that guy. Like I was saying earlier how I thought Finn Balor was going to beat Seth Rollins and then maybe they would have had Damian Priest cash in money in the bank. But anyway, like with Roman Reigns, I don't think he's ever going to lose. Like, I thought Cody Rhodes was going to beat him at WrestleMania. They didn't do that. That was one of the only times I was kind of 50-50. But um, I, this was just your typical. This wasn't one of Roman's better matches. A lot of the match was just Roman talking trash to the crowd and taunting Jey Uso. Um, they beat the crap out of each other with chairs. They put each other through tables. Solo Sokoa got involved, which typical in a Roman Reigns match. They brawled into the crowd a little bit, and that's when Solo got eliminated or got got involved. Um. Oh, there was a point where Roman actually choked Jey Uso with a kendo stick, which I thought was kind of cool. That was like a that actually looked pretty cool. He like had him, I believe, into the corner, and he's like holding the kendo stick up against his throat. I thought that was cool. Um, and then eventually Roman just, or Jey Uso just starts beating the crap out of Roman with a steel chair. It looked pretty bad. And then Roman at one point I know did the drive-by, what he does in like every match. That's basically where they're they're laying up against the um, bottom rope and Roman basically runs and does a drop kick to them in the face. So, um, and then eventually Jay, I believe gets a strap from underneath the ring and he whips Roman Reigns with the strap. Um, then I think this might've been around the time when Solo got involved. Roman at one point accidentally speared Solo. So he was going to go spear Jay Uso and he moved and he speared Solo Sokoa. Then there was a point in the match where Solo um, wouldn't help Roman up because he thought he did it on purpose or whatever, so they're teasing tension there. And then as that happens, Roman's standing outside the ring and Jey Uso spears, him, spears Roman right into the barricade. I thought that was cool. Uh, there's a point where um, Roman or Jay actually gets control. He puts Solo through a table, and then he goes up to do the Uso splash. And as he's getting going for the pin, there's a, a hooded guy that comes out and he grabs 
he yanks Jay out of the ring. It ends up being Jimmy Uso, so for some dumb reason they had Jimmy cost Jay the title. I don't really get that, but Roman retains. Um, like I said, it wasn't like great. One of, not one of Roman's better matches as champion, but uh, yeah, damn, this has been 40 minutes. Um, so yeah, that's my review of SummerSlam. Overall, like I said, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Best match in, of the show, in my opinion, I thought was Roman or was Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. I thought that match was a, it was excellent. Brock Lesnar's awesome when he wants to be. Like I said, with his selling and just if he's invested in the story that he's doing and if he likes his opponent. I mean, he worked a three-match program with Cody Rhodes. They had three pay-per-view matches. I don't remember the last time Brock Lesnar actually wrestled the same guy on three consecutive, like, did a long program with someone like that. So, because he pretty much at this point works with who he wants to, and if he's if he wants to put you over, he will. And he did a great job with Cody Rhodes. And Cody's still over as hell, so and it kind of seems like that loss at WrestleMania, even though I think it was the wrong decision, didn't hurt him. But, yeah, I think that was the best match on the show. Logan Paul and Ricochet was really good. I think the show started out fun. You know, Logan Paul and Ricochet opening the show, like I said, and then Brock and Cody Rhodes immediately after that was a fun way to start the show. Then it kind of hit a lull. I thought the the Battle Royals fine, and then the the Shayna Baszler-Ronda Rousey match sucked. You could honestly skip that. Uh, Gunther and Drew McIntyre was a fun match. That's, I'd recommend that. Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. It was a little overbooked with the interference. Not their, one of their better matches, but it was still pretty good. The women's match I hated. I thought it was terrible, the triple threat match. It was boring. Charlotte sucks, and I'm happy she didn't win. But you could honestly just skip that and skip to the end where Io Sky cashes in Money in the Bank. And then, like I said, the universal undisputed Universal title match. A lot of overbookedness. I'm, I'm curious to see how they explain Jimmy Uso costing Jay the title. I mean, I knew Roman was winning. I just didn't. I didn't expect Jay to actually turn. I just figured they'd have Solo, you know, help him and all that stuff. Anyway, um, so that's my review of SummerSlam. It was a fun show. I recommend. Like I said, I recommend pretty much anything. Besides Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, the Battle Royal, I guess you could skip. It's not terrible. And then, like I said, don't watch the women's championship match. That match sucked. And so, yeah, then coming up, like I said, a couple days, I'll try to, I'm going to, I need to get the WrestleMania review out. And then I will um, also kind of briefly go over the other pay-per-views and recommend what I would recommend you watching. And then either this week sometime or next week i'm going to do a season preview and predictions for the oregon ducks for 2023 i'll talk also a little bit more about them going to the big 10 and give my thoughts on that and yeah so in that i'll pretty much just do like i'll give you you know a recap last year and you know go through some stuff for this year and then i'll go at the end i'll go through all their games and i'll tell you who i think they're going to win or who they're going to beat and who they're going to lose to. And I know a lot of Duck fans might get pissed off because I'm not one of those fans that's like, oh, Oregon's going to go 12-0 and every year. I never think that because I think they've been a team over 100 years. They went 12-0 and like once in the regular season. Anyway, I'm, get, I'm, I'm going off top at this point. So, yeah, it's been like 43 minutes. So I'm going to get off here. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, I don't know, I enjoyed SummerSlam, so I'd wreck it. Hopefully if 
anyone out there likes WWE or SummerSlam, recommend watching it. Thank you for listening.